Exploring Sober Curiosity, featuring Amy Fox. When it comes to some substances and behaviors, particularly alcohol, there appears to be only two sides to stand on, complete abstinence or all-aboard consumption. What if there was another way to learn more about one's relationship with a substance? What if we began to step closer to being curious about what we want when it comes to changing a behavior? Amy Fox, a master nutritionist, joins the show to talk about sober curiosity, the importance of giving ourselves grace, and ways in which the culture on drinking has changed in society. Our guest on this episode is Amy Fox, who is a master nutritionist on a mission to educate everyone about how our food choices affect our health and happiness. A certified nutritionist and certified functional food professional, Amy is founder of Food and Mood Lab. Learn more at foodandmoodlab.com and make sure to check out how to join the Food and Mood Cafe at foodandmoodlab.com cafe. You can also find her on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, so make sure to check out her Linktree links on her website. This is Talking Addiction and Recovery, the podcast talking, you guessed it, all about addiction and recovery. Join your host, licensed professional counselor Andrew J. Schreier, as he and his guests break down recovery topics with raw honesty, delving into niche conversations around the topics of substance abuse, mental health, and gambling. We intend to meet individuals where they are on their own personal journey of recovery with dignity, respect, and compassion. We'll do more than talk addiction and recovery. We'll explore it. We're glad you've joined us. Here with today's episode, your host, Andrew Schreier. Welcome, Amy Fox, to Talking Addiction and Recovery Podcast. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait for our conversation. Yeah, can you tell the listeners a little bit about what you do? Yeah, you bet. So I am uh, a degreed a nutritionist, a functional food specialist, a sobriety coach, and um, I kind of followed this path for been informally really dabbling in nutrition and wellness for years um, and always had an interest in it. But I got serious about it a few years ago. Uh, my mom struggled with type one diabetes for her whole life. And it just always was a, just a challenge for her to feel good. And I just kind of made it my mission to try to simplify how we talk about nutrition and also cut through a lot of the noise so people understand how to use food, use other, you know, health and wellness pillars of, you know, and, and understand how to feel good and just kind of come at it from a real talk, authentic perspective. So I started to uh, just figure out how can I help people? And a couple of years ago, I started the Food and Mood Lab and have a chance to coach, to um, work with groups and help to bring authenticity and real conversations around nutrition and how to use food to feel good and really influence your mood. Yeah, there's there's so many directions I could go in just off of what you shared. One is I am a type one diabetic. So hey. there is there is something there that can relate to um, that condition and then food and, and everything that relates to that. But there's yeah. there's there's always something I've felt 
you know, in my profession as a, a, you know, a counselor, you know, working with, you know, substance use, mental health, families and all that, that nutrition and food was always something that we never really got much into or, or talked about. And mostly because I think counselors want to, you know, that competence of like, well, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not trying to give mm-hmm. that advice. But I also think we didn't really know how to have those conversations. We didn't know the connections between like food and mental health and the body and all that. Um, but it seems like now more of that is being recognized today where we are than, than where we were before. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I think the, you know, it's still out there just meaning the, the um, dots not being connected, but I think that there's so much information and we've got so much accessibility to um, different types of information, whether it's an influencer or it's doctors, it's websites. So there's this like this digital overflow of information that I think is helping. And I think it's forcing practitioners of all of all kinds that they can't just be in their lane, their one lane. You've got to be thinking and, and so much new research is coming out about how the gut is linked to the brain and your mental health and all sorts of things. So I think there's a lot of things that have been working in our favor, just more information, more people talking about it, that um, I think the conversation's changing. Uh, And I also believe too, that people are, I think the times are changing with the the level of like self-advocacy that that people and that an agency that people feel like they should have or should take when they're with a doctor or a therapist or whoever. I just think that there's, I'm seeing some, the tides turning and it, it like moving in a positive direction from that perspective. Yeah. There's a book and I, I went and found it in, in my stack of books that I remember I was, I read a long time ago. It was called you are what you drink. Um, and, the, and this was written in 19, 19- 89. And I remember what stood out about it was the the two authors talked about drinking, not from necessarily like a, a substance use disorder perspective, but from just a like health perspective. Like it talked about like what drinking does to like hair, to like skin. Like it was kind of a book more focused on just what alcohol can can do and how yeah. it can have an impact. I feel like it wasn't written at the right time. I feel like <laughs> if it was released now, this would be a, a lot more talked about because I've had conversations with people that drinking less, uh, giving up drinking for like a month or just not drinking at all is becoming more of a socially acceptable thing. It's becoming more of a normal thing to be like, I'm not drinking this month or I'm cutting back and it's not because I have necessarily a, a big problem, but I just think I want to, because it'd be better for my health. Yeah, no, I, that, you know, that's me. I, for years, um, was a gray area drinker and I just, you know, I, I went down that path where I just would do a dry January or I'd have a reason that I wanted to just not drink and I'd start to experience these benefits. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is pretty awesome. And so I I completely agree with you. I think that being sober curious is a totally acceptable thing. I think it's, and I love seeing that because uh, to me, um, it's really important to 
reach the people that maybe don't identify with the other like extremes, whether you're someone who completely gives it up or you're someone who might have a problem. I think there's this vast middle ground that I, I would really love to reach. And, um, and so like, I, I, I get it, you know, and I, I agree with you. There's a, when you, I would love to hear more about sober curiosity because yeah. a, a part of it, you know, makes me pick up on like some mindfulness. Like there's some exploring like relationship to what it is with alcohol, because it tends to either be like, you know, um, pedal to the metal, like full blown with it, or like just stop it and get rid of it. Either I hold on tight or I completely let go. But when I hear about sober curiosity, it seems a little bit more of like, like, let's try to understand more about this relationship. <laughs> let's try to actually learn more about um, maybe why I do this or what I do with it and not just a either hold on tight or completely let go. But let's let's actually like take a look at this. Yeah, that's exactly how I think of it, too. I think it's giving yourself permission and leaning in to asking questions and just um, experimenting, experimenting with the other side. Like if you are curious about it, or even if it's not the choices that you might be making at first, it's your thoughts. Like why, why do I feel like I need to have a glass of wine at four o'clock every afternoon? Like why, like, why is that? Why, why do I feel that need? Just leaning into and asking yourself some questions. You're like, why, why am I, why would I, why do I feel this way? And is it true? Like, am I really going to get, I really feel better. What, what's the reality the next morning? I think it's this idea that it's, a it's okay. Like you don't have to necessarily go one way or the other. And I think that some people might not, it, I might not, might be ruffling some feathers to people who might be listening to this because everybody's different. But I believe that the more people who are the people who might have, I would love to see the, the baskets change, like the grocery basket. So now there's so many options. And in it, not only if you have your beer in your basket or your wine, I want to see you add the non-alcoholic because it's like, okay, let me just see, like, I've got a party tonight, but I want to, I don't, I want to, want to feel like I can hang out like I used to, but I'm just going to experiment. Because I think the more people are willing to experiment, the more uh, awareness they'll have about the truth, about just that, that it's poison. And I feel better without it. But I don't, I think there has to be this middle ground that um, that's acceptable. And, and the, that's what, what sober curiosity is. Yeah. And I think like for anyone, you know, whether it's someone I'm working with who wants to stop entirely, whether it's someone who doesn't think they need to at all or someone who wants to reduce it or limit it like for anyone that I work with like one of the things I want them to be able to do is just to have more awareness yes is to like why they do what they do like turn off that automatic pilot that has been you know so habitual and, and just doing things without even knowing why and I believe that when you have increased awareness and you um, are more informed like I believe people make better decisions. You know, they, they can make better decisions if we equip them with those two things. And sometimes that leads to, you know, reducing it. Sometimes that leads to stopping entirely. Sometimes people are safer about it when they used to do yeah. things that were not the greatest. Now they say, Hey, I, I still drink, but I at least 
uh, never drive. I always take an Uber maybe, or I, I make sure I am drinking water or something like I, I really believe in those two skills of self-awareness and being informed usually mm-hmm. leads to better decisions. Yeah. I think I'd even take it one step further. I think that the awareness just your, you like in getting to that point where you're aware and you actually ask yourself a question, it's like a magic trick. I mean, you might be in a situation where you really feel a lot of anxiety or stress. And the moment you give yourself permission to ask a question about it, you start to take some of that power back and that control back of how you feel. I just feel a big exhale. And a lot of times my just whether it could be about, doesn't necessarily have to be about drinking. It could be about eating, like binging. It could be about me being mad at my kids one day and just realizing why am I, why am I freaking out? Right? What is making me so mad at this situation? And just that, that, that minute pause that you get, though, I think there's just power in the pause. You just really, you take it back and I think there's a, it's a pretty significant transformation that can happen. If you, that starts to become the habit, you just take that, that opportunity to, to, um, become aware of what you're really feeling and thinking. Um, it might just be the first time, but it's just, I think once you can start to do that, you start to, um, feel differently. And I'm a big fan. We start to feel differently about the situation, then you're able to act differently. Um, so to me, I, I'm a hundred percent on the same page. There's a lot of power in it. And I think it, it can really, um, really transform how you're feeling and then how you're showing up. And ultimately that is part of then what transcends into like the relationship aspect of, of that. So can you talk about like, when it comes to this relationship piece with like alcohol or even like food? Um, I also love that dynamic because like a lot of that does create in my mind like this image of how these things are in our lives like there is like a relationship to this we don't think about that same way as like a relationship with like a person but there is such like a strong connection so can you talk a little bit about like when it comes to things like food substances and, and like alcohol when it comes to that relationship piece what is sort of like that that goal or idea of trying to get people to mm-hmm Well, for me, I think that we've talked a little bit about it, like just even just it's such a huge step to have someone uh, just just begin to understand that you should that there's a moment where you might want to reflect on how you're feeling and and just like the power in that to me, you start to uncover that there is a relationship. I mean, if if there's a pattern and how you're acting and how you're feeling isn't positive, that to me is the sign. It's a signal that I need to maybe understand this a little bit more. Like, so if, if, and like, I think that I call those sort of like, when you have like energy snags, you have snags, like things that you just kind of get hung up on. Like you choose to, um, you know, to drink and maybe you have a couple and you don't feel good. It's a moments where you have those snags that should be the, um, should be the sign. That's the sign that you need to maybe think about when reflect like, okay, so if I had that drink or I, I decided to binge or, you know, eat in a way that just didn't make me feel good. So I think 
step number one is recognizing the signs where you should lean in and ask yourself your, your ability. The next time that happens, maybe I ought to think about that. And just really um, giving yourself the space to start to process that and think about, okay, well, when I decided to have those drinks or I decided to act and behave in that certain way, how did it make me feel? And then how did I act? How did I show up? And is that really my truth? Is that how I really, is that, is that aligned with how I really want to be there for my spouse or my kids? So it's a, it's a process that I think um, that I take clients through regardless. It's really about whatever choices or behaviors that don't make you feel good. That, that to me is awareness that there's a, there's a little bit of in, an inside job, a little bit of work I need to do. So I understand what is that relationship and I can begin to unpack that and understand everything around that. What are the triggers? Um, how might I act differently in those situations? Am I capable of that? So to me, that's where that, that, those questions, the self-awareness and recognizing that those are moments when that really matter to really do some introspection and just take some time to think through that. It doesn't have to be some long drawn out process, but if you just take a minute, the more often that happens, our brains get rewired and we start, it, it, we start to notice. And, but it just, it just takes those moments to realize when to look at the signs and just start asking yourself, like, how am I feeling? Is that really how I want to feel today? And if when I did that, like, what, what did that lead me to? How did I actually show up? And I imagine, and, uh, and I'd like to know how you work with this, that in relation to, you know, alcohol, but like food and stuff that when you work with individuals, I, I imagine the topic of shame comes up. Um, and I think even, you know, with, with alcohol, you know, we might look at it as something that can be sometimes more hidden and more discreet. Um, but also I think like with food, like that's something that is such a ever so present thing. Like that is, that is such a everyday part of our lives. Um, we know it's something that people can like look at and see, and we know like that can be tied into like so many other things. So I imagine like some of this work, there's a lot of shame that gets either talked about or you see it and and or you hear it when someone's sharing something or going through this um is is that something that you you notice a lot and if so like how do you how do you begin to work on some of that because that's a big connection piece with with ourselves mm -hmm. and others is the shame we we feel yeah i mean i i to be really honest i mean that's a whole a big reason why i started the food and mood lab because I, I just felt, I didn't feel good for days. Even if I just had one drink, I would have this cloud over my head where I would just, the world would be uh, a little fuzzy and it'd be gray. And, you know, it, it just, it would um, just really not feel good. And I, shared it with a small group of friends. I just was feeling comfortable to be vulnerable. Like, man, I, I like, sometimes I just don't feel good enough. Like it started a spiral, like, and I, like, I would just carry this guilt about something. And 
I realized that there were a lot of women and men in my, that felt the same way, even though on social media, I might see something different, but it just really inspired me because I started to notice that I was, I had literally, I just had more energy. I had a, a, a more positive outlook on everything when I made choices to eat and drink things that helped me and didn't hurt me. And um, so I, I'm really passionate about that. And I work with a lot of people who, whether it's whatever, whatever it is, the, the vice, the food, the alcohol, it could be the internet. I mean, whatever the thing is, you know, shame and guilt can really, um, really spiral and paralyze people from, and take them away from their family and their friends. Like I, I worked with somebody who just couldn't get control over eating and um, it really impacted her choices about whether or not she'd go out with her friends or not. And it affected the intimacy with her husband. I mean, it just started to spy. I mean, she felt really bad about herself and it, and it went on for years. I mean, it's just something that the ability to give yourself grace is to me the biggest difference maker in whether or not someone's successful at changing their habits and becoming healthier and realizing that um, there's no straight path and, you know, perfection is the biggest enemy. Like you're not, uh, it's not about the all in mentality. It's about making some good decisions most of the time and then understanding when you don't and like that. And, and that's just, we're, we're humans, but just finding the, finding the way to use those opportunities when things don't go as planned to as true, like just a data point and a series, a series of them, or as you, if you give yourself a chance to really learn from them, they become really powerful lessons and they become teachers and they, they become springboards for you to learn. Um, but yeah, grace is a powerful tool that can sometimes um, really be the difference maker in someone, you know, just sitting in shame at, for way too long. So I'm a big believer in, and I think that's why like it's helpful to have people like you um, who can help people process or a coach because it's hard sometimes when you're on your own and you don't have someone um, showing you, hel helping you to see another way or helping you to realize all the progress you're making or, it, you know, so that's, I think there's a, there's a powerful role of a coach, um, good friends too, but having those, those people around you to sometimes uh, see the other side or hear and learn a different perspective. Yeah. One thing that stood out about the perfection, and I'm curious to know that your thoughts on this is I'm, I'm interested to know, like when we look at perfection and I, you know, I know like when I first started as a clinician, I had a totally different idea of like how things would go. Like when I was working with someone on, you know, like their, their drinking or their drug use or something. And all of a sudden it would be like this, the same outcome for everyone or everyone would want the same thing. And that's definitely not the case. Um, but that perfection is, is nothing I ever want someone to think that I'm wanting from them or expecting from them. Cause it's just not how the world works. And it's not how everything else that we do works. Um, so I'm curious, do you think that plays a role in some of the, you know, like the, 
the sober October, the dry January, you know, part of it is, you know, like for this month or for this period, like focusing on that or trying to do things different then, but it's, it's not like, it's not like do this forever or like um, never again, like mentality or slogan, but like, it's like a, a shorter period of time and, mm-hmm. and focus on that. Some people, you know, I imagine continue with it and they, they might go another month. They might go for longer. Some people might go back to what they were doing or they might go back to yeah. some version of it, but it's, it's like that time frame is is I think a interesting piece to consider with like this is this is not asking for forever and that you know slip ups are not okay or if it, like this is all part of like learning this is part of understanding and and being curious um so can you kind of talk about those types of those moments that we have yeah, I mean, and, and if I'm not on the right track that you like me to, we can switch gears. But I mean, it really resonates with me. I mean, I'm, I battle a perfectionist mentality, I mean, all the time. And I would find, and I still find when there's um, a season, let's call it October or, you know, January where there's a thing, like if I'm not doing it perfect. Uh, I think I, I just, I fall victim to that all the time, whether it's about that or it's something else. I mean, and so I'm always battling, like just accepting the fact that I need to do me. And I mean, even in like my work, like something never felt right with me talking about being sober in a way that my colleagues are about, I, I, I find it took me a year to just really accept that my place is more like in the sober curiosity because I can just identify with that more. And like that, like I had to release the idea that I need, that was perfectionism to me, that I could have my own reality and I could define how I look at the world of not drinking. (laughs) That to me, like I'm getting better. I have a better relationship with alcohol and it's and my, but it, it took me a long time and it still does to, especially when we're caught up in these, what do we call these? Like events, hot, like these uh, seasons where there's a thing that we're supposed to all go in and do. And so for example, like I love that somebody started the expression damp January, not dry January. I think that's totally okay. And I know a lot of people who would probably really be up in arms that I say that because moderation is so difficult. And some people like, but for me, I feel like that if somebody's asked, somebody is choosing to just experiment and not drink for a day, two days, a week, three weeks, like that is progress. They're, they're, they're learning about how it feels to not drink alcohol and they're improving their health. Like, so I feel like it's, and I personally, again, speak from my own experience, I struggle with feeling like I am not good enough because I don't stick with something perfectly. Uh, And so I'm, I'm, this is me speaking to myself, but I really believe that it is completely your own journey and how you define that. I mean, I'm speaking to the people that I don't, I, I I was not in a situation where I had a rock bottom moment. I wasn't, luckily, I wasn't putting my own 
I didn't have acute situations where I endangered myself or my family. Um, but I just kept feeling like shit. <laughs> like there's just no other hope you can say that. Like I just I was tired of being tired, tired of not having the energy. And it really started to steal my joy. And so, but that was my decision and how I want to carry that out. And I just hope that maybe this reaches someone that might not be, whether it's whatever your addiction, we all have them, whatever it is, like just you thinking maybe doing a little bit is better than nothing. Like that helped, you, you're taking a step in the right direction. And um, it's, there's, there's not, there's no one, there's no judge here. There really isn't. It's you of yourself. And uh, that's generally the case. But I, I just, I, I feel like there's, that message needs to continue to be told that um, it's, it's dangerous to have those expectations of yourself because it means that, what is that? Let's say you go 28 days of a dry January, a sober October. You're telling me that's not progress? Like, and you, and you think that's failure? Like, that's just not, that's ridiculous. I mean, look at all that you've accomplished and all that you've learned and all that you've grown and how healthier you felt and how you may have helped other people who may have observed you. So, um, I, I, is that how is that the direction of the conversation about perfectionism you wanted to take? Yeah, because I, I mean, there's a couple of things that really stand out. You know, one of them is I think it allows us to meet people where they're at and also not, you know, well, let's let's wait till they hit rock bottom. You know, like let's yeah. let's let's wait till things get really bad before we then all of a sudden say you need to stop. Like maybe if some people. Right were to have done this earlier on or maybe were were to have considered these types of things like they might not have gotten to the spot that they were in um and i and i also know that you know when we were thinking of the this type of stuff and and looking at you know how this kind of plays out with the individual and 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 what they are contemplating what they are thinking, what they are doing. Like I've, I learned a long time that like, I, I can't control what people do. And, and it's, it's better when people sort of come to these conclusions by themselves or when they, they come to these realizations that that's where I look at more as our journey is to, to join them alongside them, not try to like pull them or, or <laughs> coerce yeah. them into a certain way. Um, so in, in the, I just see a lot of people struggle with perfection. And, and when it even comes to like, you mentioned the 28 days, I, I just had this talk recently because I did a, a presentation on relapse. And I, I talked a lot about when someone goes a certain amount of days and there's a return to use, you know, we kind of act like we started all over again. And one way I describe it is it's like they're playing monopoly and, they got to turn up all their money over. They got to lose all their properties, start over. Everyone else gets to keep going, but the person that, mm -hmm. that struggled has to like, just start back at zero. And I used the, the book, the body keeps the score, which is about trauma. And I made the connection that when someone stops drinking for 28 days, I said, the body knows that like, you can't tell me that that does not, the body doesn't realize that it's gone that long without drinking so to take it away to act like it it didn't do anything or it had no impact like i think that's 
it's a little BS. Cause like the body knows when you aren't using a substance, it knows mm-hmm. when you are using less. And then we talk about that connection. So that's, I really talk a lot with a lot of people that, yeah, those, those 28 days mattered. It mattered each and every day that you did it. Um, that yeah. that doesn't just get erased because of the the one day that you didn't. And I think that resonates with people, you know, realizing it because for so long that the, the culture of it, the tradition of it, I guess, you know, the, the whole history of it was, you know, you just, you go back to zero you, know, you, you count, like count the days over and now you got to count up again. And it's like, I got a lot of people who have a lot of days built up and then they just, they all disappear when in reality, those, those days don't disappear. Like it still yeah. counts. Yeah. You get a lot of time under your belt, just practicing it. You know, I think the times that I've had, I've gone a long stint without, um, my vice was always wine. I, I, you know, having those data points as I call them, I mean, I don't know that I would have the awareness and the passion to live my life without it unless I had them. I mean, for me, I, I mean, I, I kind of got a chance to see it for what it's worth. Like, and, and like every time you get a little bit more information, that doesn't go away. It's not like your brain, it's erased. It's just your, your, I think it's just, it's, it's enhanced because you're like, oh man, like, yeah, there we go again. Or wow. Like those, I was triggered by something else. So how do I react differently the next time? How do I deal with my frustration with my kids or my, what, whatever my pressures are? Cause it's always, like I mentioned before, it's always an inside job. We're just coping. It's a coping mechanism for most people. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's, I, I love how you said that. Like, I think it's a really powerful thing um, to remind people that they're not starting over, not starting from zero. Yeah. I like to say you're, you're starting from, you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from experience. That's, that's one mm-hmm. of the things I, I usually say is it's, it's not forget everything and just try again and then, you know, make the same decisions and behaviors. It's, you know, what happened last time and how do I make a different decision or how do I learn from it this time and, mm-hmm. and do something different. Uh, there's there's two questions I want to ask about sort of future thinking, kind of like yeah. forward thinking on this. We talked a little bit about kind of where we are today. You know, there's there's a lot more of, you know, the sober months. I, I have this idea that like every month at some point is going to have some name connected to sobriety. We're just we're not there yet. You know, you see so much of the non-alcoholic beverages becoming more popular. Mm-hmm. Um, you see. Uh, Wisconsin, where I'm from, we had a sober bar open up, which um, I hear they are they are more popular in other states, but like a state of in Wisconsin to have that happen was like pretty yeah. amazing. Um, it, with the work that you do, are, are those things that you like pay attention to? Do you look for like those sort of trends of where like non-alcoholic things from like beverages to like, you know, when it comes to cooking or gatherings or things like that? Is that something that you pay attention to as far as the work yeah. that you do? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, you know, I, I want to make it cool. <laughs> so yeah, I'm always thinking about how do we um, do exactly what I do when I socialize, but make it take the focus away from drinking. And I should say, and because I do think that there are people that, again, for me to, um, 
spread the word and in the way that I want, I want it to be an and because there's going to be people, unfortunately, that just probably they, they like how they do. They like their lives with their drink of choice. So I want to see it as a, like a more of an integrated, like a, we're, we're, there's a lot more mingling and literally and figuratively, like it just, it's just not, it's not so separated. I mean, I would love to tell you that I believed that, you know, alcohol is going to be the next cigarette. And I, I, I hope, but I just think there's so much money behind those machines that, you know, I think people are smart though. And they're the, the younger generations that we're seeing a really big uptick in their purchasing of non-alcoholic or just alternative 0% type of beverages. And so, um, I, you know, I, I, my, I, I look to literally just flip, flip the event like tomorrow for the food and mood cafe, we're having happy hour and anybody can show up, but I think the more approachable we make it and I'll be mixing my mocktails and like I have all sorts, so many options. Uh, so I, I'm always on the lookout for how do we, um, we continue to be a cool spot and, uh, make sure that it's, we can be sober curious in it as well. Yeah. I had a guest on who, um, was, um, the founder of athletic brewing company and it, it's a, a non-alcoholic beer and, and oh, he no, just, it's my refrigerator. It's awesome. He, he described it perfectly. Like when he said this, I was like, this is exactly like kind of where we're at is he described it as, you know, the NA stuff used to be like what he called the penalty box drink. Mm-hmm. Like you, you had to, you went there because you got in trouble with, with drinking or you got into some issues and you kind of had to drink this beverage that was like terrible. Like that was like really, yeah. um, it seemed like more of like a punishment and more of like, I'm not enjoying this. I'm just doing it because like I have to, but like how things are today with like what's being made, like how things are being like, you know, mocktails isn't new, but it's just kind of like how it, how it is today yeah. is more of where like, this isn't about, a penalty. This isn't about you like having to not enjoy this. Like it's, it's really about creating the same like social atmosphere, connection, enjoyment. Um, we're just, we're just doing it without it. So that's where seeing all these things is, is amazing compared to just where we were even years ago with some of this. And yeah, it, it wasn't a, always available. <laughs> yeah. I, I had, I hosted a taco night and we had, NA Coronas. It's amazing. Like it just really was awesome. I mean, I could have been on a beach and I was enjoying my 0% Corona with my nachos. And, um, I mean, it just, it's, it's a brilliant, it's brilliant from a business perspective too. If you think about it, I mean, there's, you know, I, I think we all know there's like a seltzer brand of alcohol that came out with an NA version. I mean, imagine being in that boardroom. We're like, wait a minute we can sell water for the same price that we can sell <laughs> an alcoholic beverage. I mean, there's just a huge market that can be capitalized on an opportunity. I mean, it's a, it's a billion dollar industry for sure. Um, I mean, just all of the options you, that, and, you know, I mean, there's, it's, it's going to be so exciting to see where this goes. And I just think that it's, it's uh, the tides are turning. Um, definitely. Yeah. So it's, it's exciting to see like, and, the one of the things I've talked about before was 
like when people don't drink alcohol, the the question was usually, you know, well, why not? Like what, what's wrong? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then if you're a woman, they, they ask you, you know, the terrible question if, if you can't yeah, drink, yeah. but like, I think nowadays, like there's so many acceptable reasons why people just don't want to drink or why they want to drink less. And we're, as a culture, we're being a little bit more open to that, you know, where someone is just like, yeah, I just, um, want to lose a few pounds and that's why yeah. I don't want to, or I just don't like how I feel I gotta getting get up, up from it or I got to get up yeah. and I don't, and I want to, to deal. And then people are more like, yeah, like that's, that's cool. Like that's okay. Um, so I really talk with some people like when they, when they do have like some struggles and challenges that, you know, nowadays it, it's a, it's a better time. It's a more helpful time to support this than, than sometimes where we were, you know, years ago, I started counseling almost 20 years ago. And I remember like all these things were not discussed or options mm -hmm. for, um, trying to help manage that relationship with drinking. These, these were things that weren't really on the table as much. Yeah. So like some of the information too, I think part of you had mentioned this earlier, I think that, you know, the expression knowledge is power is hundred percent the case with alcohol. I think as you learn more about the reality of what ethanol is doing, that what that toxicity is doing to your body, how it impacts sleep, how it impacts, uh, you know, so many things like your health overall, you know, like we've, we've got incredible access to that information it makes it easier to get access. We, we can learn about it. And that helps us to then start to change our behavior. So I think having so many more books and podcasts and the data that's out there and the research, I mean, I all think that that is also helping people to really understand the true effects of alcohol in your body. So, um, that's, it's so much easier to find out. And there's so many people talking about the negative effects too. Uh, one of the last question I have before I, I'll, I'll let you kind of give your, your final thoughts. So like what you'd want listeners to, to hear is I, I think part of it is I always look at like, how do we take some of this information? How do we, we press forward? How do we sort of, you know, gain traction on some of these, these topics. And I think one of them is always like, we have to be willing to talk about some of these things and we have to be willing to, to ask about it. And as a clinician, you know, if I don't ever ask about their food or their, their alcohol, like I might not ever know about it. Like, it's not just something that's going to be brought up. So when you look at it from kind of like the work that you do, are there certain things that like if you were to say, hey, if every mental health counselor asked this question about food or if they asked this 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 question to the individuals they work with, I think that that's a good start. Or I think that would be like a good place to at least maybe by asking this, you might find out something that you didn't know, because right now it just doesn't happen that often. You know, we, we ask so much about your history, your substance use, your mental health, your yeah. your family, your trauma, your you're all this, but, um, where we sneak in about food and other things is yeah. <laughs> sort of our craftiness and creativity that we have to use. But what, what, if any, do you think would be good questions just to kind of get that, you know, dialogue going? You know, I know and this may not 
the exactly what you were thinking about, but you know, I think especially in the case of when you're looking in the rearview mirror and talking past, I think a way to shift it towards the future and really start to think about what can change as it relates to really anything, but if we're talking nutrition and health, I, you know, I always ask people about like, how do you, how do you want to feel like when you think about today, not next week, not in a month, but today, how would you like to feel? And whatever answers I get back, I, I think about what choices can you make about what you put in your, how you fuel yourself? What choices can you make today? What's doable today? And that, that can help you feel that way. And then we usually get out like, what might happen today? What, what's a possibility that might throw you off track and how can you resolve it? So when we start to think about like break it down, I think a lot of times what happens is we talk too big picture or there's too technical. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I, if you feel, if we start with feeling different and you start to feel good, like you actually feel clear-minded, you feel, um, you've got more energy, feel a little less stressed, you've got more hope. And when we've got more hope, I think we're, we have, we're just more willingness to, to do, to do things, right. To help people to show up differently. So as it relates to food, I'd like to think about literally the practice, making it super practical, practical and actionable and not trying to come up with big, um, behavior changes that we want to jump into. Like I'm only going to eat. I'm not going to eat that. I'm going to have a list of things I don't eat. It's just not going to work for very long. And if we can't sustain it, it's really like pointless. So we, I just, you know, go back to how you feel, like, how do you want to feel? And then breaking down like really simple um, ideas on how that can change that are really doable for that person because everybody's different. I love the fuel part of that because I feel like that's such a a question that you could get some really interesting responses to. You know, mm -hmm. like they could think like fuel, you mean like, like they could go from like mental, like, you know, yes like physical they could think about they could think of mm -hmm. like food and I, I just think that's a way like if they were to spot on like what do you mean like fuel like food like what i and i go you tell me like like that right. that's a, that's a way to yeah. get that going or, or if someone really is thinking about that with alcohol they might be like you mean like with my drinking like like you you tell me like i yeah. feel like that is a very um open way you know to really get some interesting feedback from someone on what they view or see as part of like how they feel, but also what fuels that, like what, what yeah. does do that. So I, I really love that. I think when I ask that, I'm going to get some interesting responses. That's just yeah. going to get some good dialogue going as a result. And I, I, I mean, if you're looking from a, from a nutrition science standpoint, I'm always, if there's a, a nugget you want to ask people, it's, you know, what's the first meal of their day? How are they starting their day with food? Like, what's the first thing? And like, generally people talk about cereal or the pastries or like, so helping people understand, I have a, um, a couple uh, articles around the, like my number one nutrition tip for mental health is to start your day with protein. To so have some protein in there because 
what happens is a lot of people avoid, there's many things that happen to your body by starting your day off. And the first thing that you're fueling yourself with is protein based. You really are protecting yourself from uh, potentially like energy crashes from either a spike in blood sugar, or you're, you're really paving the way for more steady energy. And when we get hangry, when we have those crashes, a lot of times you just don't feel good. And then that's when we make choices that aren't really the best for us, for our health. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. And I think that's something that people are also paying more attention to with that whole relationship of what they eat, how it affects them. Like you said, with the, the mind gut connection, like that's so much more that, and I think that's part of on us as helping professionals. Like we need to be more aware of that and, and how that works and, and goes on. And it's just something that like in our history, in our profession and our academics and our training, like we don't really get that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was really never covered in the, the course materials and <laughs> our academics. So, all right. Uh, last, uh, the listeners are going to get um, you know, links to, to find your work and see what you do and, and definitely encourage them to, to learn more. What, what, if anything, final thoughts do you have for, for our listeners? I think the final reminder is going back to grace. I mean, we're, nobody's perfect. And if, if you're listening to this, you're taking a step to maybe think about how you can live healthy, that you care about how you show up. So you know, cut yourself a break. I mean, it's, it's okay if things uh, don't go exactly how, how, how it's planned. In fact, that's life. So the quicker you can just move on and make the next healthy choice, you know, you're that that's, you're not only helping yourself, you're helping everybody around you. So just realizing it's just, just about that next healthy choice. Yeah. That's great. This was a fantastic conversation. I, I, I enjoyed every bit of it. I think hey. there's so much that that was covered and interesting to, to think about where we're going to be in the next couple of years with a lot of this, because, you know, it's, it's heading that way. You know, we, we do keep getting a little bit better and better with some of the things that we're doing with this and your work uh, shows a lot of what that can do. So really thank you for being on and, and talking with us. Yeah. Appreciate the opportunity. All right. Thank you. And uh, thanks for listening. You've been listening to Talking Addiction and Recovery with Andrew J. Schreier. We're so glad you've joined us and invite you to connect further with the show and these topics at www.andrewjschreier.com. That's Andrew J. S. C. H. R. E. I. E. R.com. You can also email us directly at talkingaddictionandrecovery at gmail.com and connect on social media, Instagram at Talking Addiction and Recovery, Facebook, Talking Addiction and Recovery Podcast, and Twitter at TalkAR underscore podcast. To stay connected and never miss an episode, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. Until next time, friends, let's keep talking addiction and recovery.